0: You know, this is Brother Metter, and uh, I thank you for joining us today. I tell you, I get to preaching the Word in these broadcasts, and the time just gets uh, like something just eats it up. Before I know it, uh, our time is gone. But uh, I want to go back to what I was ministering on last week. And I was uh, talking to you about the vision, the very first vision, I guess, that the Lord ever gave me, an open vision. In 1976, and that was 43 years ago this year. Uh, And the Lord brought it back to me the 1st of April. That was uh, Sunday a week ago. uh, Brought it back to me. Uh, No, I'm sorry, that was Monday uh, a week ago. Uh, And the Lord brought it back to me, and He spoke to me that Monday morning. And said, 43 years ago, I called you to the apostleship to preach this gospel of the kingdom all over the world. And, you know, the Lord, since the first of the year this year, has taken me back to several different visitations that He gave me. I know uh, I related a visitation back in 1989, I think in February. I related this visitation on the broadcast, and there's been several things that the Lord has shown me over the 47 years that uh, I have served Him and labored to fulfill uh the vision that God gave me. Uh there's several things that God has showed me that He's begun to bring back to me uh since the first of the year. And I wanted to relate to you uh go on into what I was talking about from last week about this vision and go on and relate to you uh what God began to unfold in my spirit. I can see now, and I'm beginning to understand now, that the ministry that God had given me is not coming to an end. Uh 47 years later, it is getting ready, and there's a foundation being laid to send this gospel to the ends of the earth, and I know that I'm going to go. And the Lord told us in August 2017 about this live stream ministry that it would reach in, in nations all over the world and that we would minister online and have great miracles uh online and then there would be a time that God would speak to us and send us to these nations to establish churches uh in His name. And this is by no means even got started children. So I might be 66 years old, but the ministry that God gave me is just uh, being formed, the foundation has been laid all these years. You know, uh, people come to the Lord, and it uh, it's good to see people with zeal, and it's good to see people get out there and serve God. But, you know, I had uh, served God 22 years in evangelism uh, in the year of 2000 when God spoke to me to uh, found the first church. That he spoke to me about in Fort Payne, Alabama. That was the first time God spoke to me to start a church. I had no hunger, no desire, no uh, anything. I was happy being an evangelist. I was having good tent revivals. Uh We were running several hundred in our tents in different places. Having great miracles. Many lives were touched. I wish I could get the people that... Their lives were touched in all these tent meetings. I'm telling you, there would be hundreds and hundreds of people. Some of them I still hear from. Some of them still write me. Some of them still listen to me on the radio. And they will tell you in their young years when they come to the Lord that it was this gospel of the kingdom. didn't even know it was the kingdom then. But I've always declared power and authority. I've always declared that Jesus was living Inside of us. I've always had God confirm His Word with signs and wonders and miracles. I was talking to a a man just yesterday about some tents. Because I believe we're fixing to see some of the greatest tent meetings. And and I had even mentioned to him about getting some tents shipped overseas. And he shipped them all over the world. And I was telling him, I was in the Philippines in '94, And we were in a small village. There. And, uh, we were preaching like on a concrete pavilion in a, uh, little village. It wasn't a big town. And we, uh, we were there that night and I kept feeling in my spirit that there was a deaf mute there. And I kept telling the people that were there in the meeting, the workers, I said, there's a deaf mute. There's somebody in this town. They're in this meeting. They're deaf and dumb. Well, as we got to the end of the service that night, they brought up a young man that was deaf and dumb. And I knew the Lord was going to bear a sign and bear a witness to the preaching of His gospel. Everywhere I've ever been, He always have. And He told me that He would. Everywhere I went and lifted Him up and declared His name that He told me in, uh I think it was 94. uh Same year I was in the Philippines. He said He had, he had healed a deaf-mute boy about seven years old in India. He said, I will bear witness to this gospel by signs and wonders and miracles. He said, you preach it, and I will bear witness. And so I prayed for this man, uh, seemed to be probably 30, 40 years old, and God healed him. We were ministering to about 500 that night, and we came back the next night, which was our last night in that little village, and the crowd had grown probably to... 2,500 and we we saw these kind of miracles everywhere we went and I know that God laid this foundation, this faith has been put in my spirit for a reason and God is now raising up a younger generation. There is a new generation that is coming forth but it is a generation that can be taught. You know, you have so many people now that can't be taught, they won't listen to people that's gone before them. They won't listen to people that's had experience. And I had 22 years of experience before uh, I ever endeavored, the Lord ever led me to open uh, our first church. I had no desire to be a pastor. But I'm going to tell you, in the 15 years that I was at that church, I learned so much. And I changed so much by the working of the Spirit of God. And I truly believe that if I tried to do it any earlier in ministry, I would have never succeeded because it took all the experience, all the things God had taught me, all the wisdom that God had worked in me, and all of the leadership that I had gained by sitting under those that had more knowledge and wisdom and understanding The thing is about ministry is it is a body ministry. You've got to learn to work together. You've got to learn to listen to leadership. You've got to learn to be obedient to the voice of the Lord through the elders and those that have gone before you and those that have been through the trials, the heartaches, the sorrows, the experiences. That don't mean that they're going to teach you everything, but they can keep you from making and a lot of mistakes. And I didn't have that when I come up. I didn't have that in ministry when I come up. And I learned a lot of things the hard way. I learned a lot of uh, lessons, if you want to say. You know, my dad used to teach me. And he used to tell me things and I wouldn't listen to him. he will say, okay, experience is the best teacher. Go ahead and do it your way. And when you do it your way and make the mistakes and mess up, then experience will teach you right from wrong. And I was always one when I was growing up. I loved to take things apart to see what made them work, but I never could get them back together. And my dad kept telling me my whole life, he said, Son, if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. But I wanted to take things apart and see how it worked. And there was many things that I took apart that I never could get back together. And I was one that had to learn from experience. I was one that had to learn by doing. So I want to go on in the next step uh, of what the Lord put in my spirit uh, last Monday, the 1st of April, because I related to, to, to you the vision, the same vision Paul had in Acts 16 about the man from Macedonia. But I want to read out of Acts. Chapter 26, and I'm going to start at the first verse. This is a lot of Scripture. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And Paul stretching forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy. King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, wherefore I beseech thee, hear me patiently. Paul more or less was on trial, and he was pleading his case before the new king named Agrippa, and I think the governor's name was Festus, he was there, And Paul was beginning to uh, start his plea and lay out his life. He said, My manner of life from my youth, which was at first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all Jews which knew me from the beginning. If they would testify that after the most strictest sect of the religion, I lived a Pharisee, and now I stand and am judged, for the hope of the promise made of God unto the fathers. So Paul was saying, I've lived my whole life by the law. I've lived my whole life as a Pharisee. And now that I've come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and to the promise of the hope that God made unto our fathers, he said, I'm being held in judgment of it. Unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope's sake came Agri- King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Verse 8, uh, of Acts 26. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought within, or with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them, and I punished them off in every synagogue, and I compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said unto him, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand up on thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of the things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, and that ye may and that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me, so Paul was relating unto Agrippa what had happened to him, his experience on that road to Damascus. Paul was devout, Paul was very fervent. He, he he says in another place, he said, I labored more than all of my peers. I labored more than them all, Exceedious, exceedingly zealous toward the law. I preached the law. I lived the law. Uh, I was born and circumcised the eighth day in the tribe of Benjamin. Everything in Paul's life was religion. Religion, 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 religion. He, he he labored for it. He thought the people that followed Jesus were crazy, and he began to persecute them as heretics. He put them in prison. He caused them to be put to death. He caused them to blaspheme. This is what Paul was telling Agrippa. He had religion, and there's many people today that have religion, but they've never had the glorious gospel of the light of Christ revealed in their soul like Paul had revealed in his. There's never been a revelation of God's word in so many by the Spirit. So many of you know the word by the letter. You know the word because you've been taught it. Many people in church today were taught from their youth up about the gospel Uh, and salvation of Jesus Christ, but that's where your knowledge ends. You may have a limited knowledge of the Holy Ghost and and what the Holy Ghost is supposed to do when it comes in, but we are so limited in our teaching and in our knowledge of the working of the Spirit of God, and Paul was that way, and he was zealous, he persecuted, he put to death, he caused a blasphemy, he chased people from city to city, it was Paul's persecution. And I believe it says "and Paul breathing out uh, slaughter, uh, I believe is what it says in Acts where the persecution started uh, at the ninth chapter. Let me turn over there in my Bible and see if I can find that real quick. I think it says a great slaughter. Uh, you know, we've not had this in this time today, but those that believe God are facing persecution. Uh, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's what the word says. Uh, Acts the ninth chapter, first verse, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. So Paul was threatening, he was slaughtering, he was causing the blaspheme, and he was doing it because he thought these people were in error. He, he he knew they were an error to the law. He did not understand uh that the Christ had come and revealed himself uh to this people in a power and an authority. Paul knew the scriptures. He had studied them from his youth up, uh, but he persecuted because he did not have the revelation. Uh, there are many that will persecute because they do not have a relation of the Word. I told you before, the letter killeth, but the Spirit maketh alive. I don't care what is in you uh, by the letter. Many of you may think you have the Spirit, but do not persecute the working of the Spirit of God uh, that was real revealed in the book of Acts. Do not persecute those that believe in the power of the Holy Ghost, that believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Do not persecute those and do not think you are so right that you're going to persecute and put people down and bring uh, condemnation on those that aren't living like you're living. It will only get you in trouble and cause you to err in shipwreck. So, uh let God become real in your life. So, on the way to Damascus, a great light shone around Paul. And Paul fell off his beast, fell down on the ground, and a uh, he said a light brighter than the sun uh, fell around him, and a voice spoke to him, "Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me?" Now this was not Paul's first time God had dealt with him. God had dealt with him, and God was dealing with him, and he was seeing these people put to death. And he was seeing great witness, uh, happen that these people were dying with smiles on their faces. They were dying with great grace. They were dying, uh, with great joy and great peace. And, uh, the Bible will tell you when they stoned Stephen, uh, I think it's in the seventh chapter that Paul was the one that held their coats. So Paul saw Stephen die and he saw the presence of God overshadowing and that look come up on his face and Paul heard him confess that he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father and he heard as they stoned him to death Stephen say, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And... He died with that glow. He died with that peace of God. Paul saw these things, and it was beginning to work on him. The Lord was beginning to deal with him. So when the Lord spoke to him, Paul said, Who art thou, Lord? Paul knew who it was, but he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And it is hard, Paul, for thee to kick... Against the pricks, it's hard to kick against what's right. It's hard to kick against what I am trying to reveal in you. So God spoke to him and told him that he had chosen him, and he was going to send him to the Gentiles, which was unlawful for any man that was a Jew to go to. It was totally unlawful. For any man to enter into a Jew, not just to preach the gospel, but to have any fellowship with them whatsoever. The Jews counted the Gentiles unclean. The Gentiles, you could not go to a Gentile if he was a Jew. I may have got my words tangled up there. But if you you know... You was a Jew and you went in unto a Gentile. I don't care if it's just for a conversation. You didn't talk to them. You didn't fellowship them. You didn't touch them. You didn't eat a meal with them. And you especially didn't discuss uh religion with them. And the Lord told Paul, he said, I am going to take you to the Gentiles. And he said, unto whom I now send in Acts 26 and 17 to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. In verse 19, Paul said, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed forth unto them of Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works met for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. So Paul doing this, Paul turning and going to the Gentiles. But Paul just didn't go out. He did in Damascus. He started declaring the word to them. But when Paul uh, escaped from Damascus because the governor surrounded the city uh, with a garrison, he was trying to take Paul's life. And a couple of men took Paul and put him in a basket and let him down by a rope. In the wee hours of the morning, uh, they let him down by that rope uh, over the wall in Damascus that Paul could flee. And uh, I preached a message years ago called Hold to the Rope. And those people did not know what was in that basket. They had no idea that the man that would write three-fourths of the New Testament, uh being persecuted for the faith from jail and house arrest, they did not know that man was in the basket. All they knew was they had a young convert that was full of zeal, so you don't know what your calling is. I'm just now, 43 years later, coming to understand the depth of some of the things God's called me and put in my spirit. You know, back in uh 2016, I went back and started trying to recall all the dreams and the visions that God had given me over the years. And I know i missed some, but I, I, I remember the major ones is what I call them. But 32 major dreams and visions that God had visited me in since I came to the Lord in 1972. 32 dreams and visions, and, and since then I cannot tell you how many. But I know there's been more because the last couple of the years the Lord has really opened my understanding concerning this kingdom and concerning the preaching of this kingdom, the preaching of the gospel, the structure of the church, the hierarchy of the ministry. God has said all this in my spirit and I am going to do my best to get people back on the foundation that God gave them in the book of Acts. That was God's plan. That was God's purpose for the church. That was the uh structure that God set in the church when he poured out the Holy Ghost. And uh he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That was your governing body. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 28, he says, God has set some in the church. First, apostles... Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After this, miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. All these are necessary for ministry. And I've tried to tell people over the last couple of years, I believe it was in August in 2017, the Lord showed me that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost was not just the Spirit of God come on them and they taught in tongues at 120 in that upper room, which consisted of men and women, they were the government of the church. They were the apostles. They were the prophets. They were the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, the helps, uh the ministries, the governments, the, uh, the diversities of tongues, all this that God listed in First Corinthians twelve twenty-eight. Matter of fact, the Lord told me That what was poured out on the day of Pentecost was the Spirit of Christ that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 12. The whole thing, the gifts, the anointings, the administration, the diversities of the gifts, the diversities of the operations of the gifts. That was not the lay body of the church. The lay body of the church... Came later that day when Peter preached and 3,000 accepted the Lord. That was your lay body of the church. And that 120 was set in place to govern the church. We are so ignorant when it comes to the teachings of the Spirit and the Word of God till it just grieves my heart. So, uh, there's got to be teaching, there's got to be restoration of the gifts of the anointing. There's got to be the fivefold ministry which is listed, and that is what I call ministry gifts. In Ephesians 4 and 11, I just uh, quoted 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 28. But Ephesians 4 and 11 says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those were placed. Those were the spirit ministry gifts. And why did he give them? Very next verse in uh, Ephesians 4 and 12. For the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting means maturity and completeness. The church cannot come forward. It cannot come into maturity and completeness without these five ministries. Because Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 and verse 20, for we are built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That is what the church is built on, the foundation, the doctrine, the teachings that was laid out in the New Testament uh to teach people how to live a daily life. All Paul's epistles teach how to live holy, godly, clean, upright, how to walk in the Spirit, how to live in the Spirit. And so we have the doctrine of the apostles and prophets. We have the teaching. We have that foundation. And Jesus Christ was that chief cornerstone and still is that chief cornerstone. So I pray these words and I want you to know I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. That was my point of of reading that. But I've done for uh, 47 years everything I felt the Lord would have me to do I've labored hard physically. I've sought God spiritually. I've tried to condition myself mentally. We fought many a financial battle because I've taken a lot of what God has blessed us with and put it into ministry. I don't begrudge one penny. I would to God. I had thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars more to place in ministry and help ministers and missionaries get this gospel to the ends of the earth. This is Brother Matter. I see our time's got away from us again. Please, I'm encouraging you. We desperately need your help to get behind not just this broadcast, but our missionary work uh that we're putting in place and, and getting going in Africa. And also uh we're looking for open doors in different countries, and we're asking God to lead us. But there are those of you out there, please, uh I know there's got to be hundreds here in this broadcast. Everywhere I go, people tell me they're hearing the broadcast and enjoying. Please support. Please support. This broadcast is making a difference. This is a voice of one crying in the wilderness, trying to prepare people for this visitation of the Holy Ghost that is upon us that is going to drastically change the course of the churches. We know it. If you have a business out there and you want to sponsor a broadcast, please contact us or contact the radio station. If you want to do it anonymously and just contact the radio station, that's fine. Just let them know you'll pay for a broadcast or you'll give so much a month on the the broadcast. Uh, All your gifts, uh, if you send them to us in the name of World Revivals, are tax-exempt, they are tax-deductible, So, uh, I'm sorry our time's got by again. May God bless you. Till our next broadcast.